Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious I'm about. Curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships can evolve with people evolve as they grow and change? And sure. she was saying to me, I'm feeling disconnected. I'm feeling like I don't have your time and your energy. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of times years later where I'll come up to her randomly and be like, yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Welcome to the Curious Folks podcast for those challenging the status quo in love, sex and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla. And today, we're talking about connection and disconnection within our relationships, the various ways that we can experience it, and how it can impact our relationship health. This topic of connection and disconnection come up regularly when I'm working with clients who are opening up, especially when one person is adamant and excited and the other person is kind of reluctant and scared. I find a common mental state that I, I find, especially with the reluctant partner, and I think about it in these like three states of of past present and future so for the past there is grief often there's grief and they're grieving what the relationship was and is no longer mm -hmm. um and there's like sadness and, and you know, grief which is a, a mixture mixture of feelings right grief about that and even though those that couple may may decide not to transition and not to change their relationship structure the fact that this was put on the table feels mm -hmm. so radical. It feels such as such a radical step that there's still grief because mm -hmm. it somehow transforms the relationship. Even if it doesn't transition, it somehow transforms. And with yes. that transformation, with that change, there's grief. And you understand that because it changes yeah. your thing, right? That makes sense to me. There's like mm -hmm. the past is, is grief. The, the, the present is disconnection. Right. Mm -hmm. So like when I look at the past, like I feel grief and the present is disconnection. I feel disconnected. I feel disconnected from my partner. And at times I feel disconnected from myself, like what I want, what is right for me, all that kind of stuff. So in the present, they're dealing with disconnection and the future, mm -hmm. when they kind of project forward, they are concerned about abandonment. Right. So the headspace in the future is fear mm -hmm. of abandonment. So the human mind can time travel. That's what I mean. So we can like reflect on the past, be in the present and imagine a future, right? That's the, the magic of the human mind. And, mm -hmm. and in, in that process, that's what I see with transitioning couples, grief, disconnection and fear of abandonment. Mm hmm. Yes, yes, yes. All the I felt all those things. <laughs> check, check, check. <laughs> check, check, check. <laughs> yes. So if I can just give some clear examples of maybe how I experienced each of those things. When my wife and I practiced opening up, so we were always non-monogamous, but when we started to do it and for the brief period of time when my partner and I also were more open and that she was dating somebody else, a few things I experienced. First, in terms of the past, the grief that you described makes complete sense to me because it was two things. Number one, the, the relationship that we had is over and we have a new relationship now. So that picture that I had of what we had is different. And I'm looking back at it from a rosy place too. I'm like, but we were, so, everything was so great. Mm -hmm. It was so wonderful. Like, wh right. why would we have disturbed that thing? Now, of course, that's not how I felt in the time, but looking back, that's how I felt. 
It's also looking back at my past and feeling like I have been lied to and that that was not actually how things were. So were you thinking about someone else the whole time? When we were on that date, were you really thinking about when I was sitting across from you, looking into your eyes and you were telling me that you loved me, were you thinking about, so now I'm revisiting the past and there's a sense of grief Mm -hmm. that the moments that I experienced that I thought were connection and joy may now actually have been, I am tainting them with the Mm -hmm. belief that you had something else going on in your mind at the time Mm -hmm. and that you were not as connected with me as I thought that you were. And so now simultaneously what we had was great, but also you were lying to me, I think in your mind and weren't really connected. And also no matter what happens next, it's not going to be the same. Right. Right. So that, that's, yes, yes, that was grief. (laughs) Yes. I think for disconnection, I felt that way in terms of also certainly physical disconnection. I know, I know that you're going to explore that some more, but also the disconnection of there being a lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. So one of the conversations, for example, that my, my, my wife and I would have often is I would be saying something and she was like, no, I understand. I'm like, you don't understand. And Mm -hmm. she's like, no, I understand you. I just don't agree. And I'm like, well, then clearly I have not explained it well enough yet. (laughs) Because if you really understood, you would in fact agree that Uh being on different pages felt like disconnection. So even if we were in the same space, the fact that emotionally we wanted different things or the fact that, you know, we saw our futures differently, whatever, felt like a disconnection that did not exist before. And then, of course, the fear of I'm going to be then left. This other person is going to be better than me. They're going to have something that I can't give you. I'm going to be so wretched through this process Mm -hmm. that you're just going to be so disgusted by me that you're going to go. But I can't stop my wretchedness because I'm just in pain all the time. So checks all around. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I know that that so many people that are listening are going, me too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's it, awful, it is, isn't it, everyone? Isn't it? Isn't it? Doesn't it suck? <laughs> uh, and I see it, and I see it enough times in my practice as well. Which is to say, and I say this to my clients too: this is not to diminish your experience in any way, but just to reassure you that you are not alone. Like this is a part right. of the process for a lot of people. And there's another side. I got to the other side, so mm-hmm. we can, <laughs> yes. I'm still here. Yes. I have not been. And even frankly, if the relationships ended, I would not have been abandoned. The worst part of abandonment is if I abandon myself and that's, Mm. you know, that's Mm. what I'm learning in therapy right now. (laughs) But I just, you know, I want to say that, yes, I've experienced all those things and I survived. So that is, that is the reality. And the piece that I want to, the piece that I want to talk about today is that present piece, the the disconnection, Mm -hmm. because it's so important that this connection and connection that happens in the present, in the present tense is such a big part of this kind of three wave state. And I mm-hmm. think, I think it's the really the one that you can do anything about, right? Mm-hmm. There is very little you can do about the past and mm-hmm. grief is something that you feel and you feel through and get to the other side. You can't change it. it just nature by nature, you can't change grief. You just had to experience it and, and it just like runs mm-hmm. its cause and you get to the other side, right? And you have zero control over the future. 
right? So one one says that, <laughs> <laughs> so they claim, <laughs> so they say they haven't spoken to me yet. But yes, um, so we go past the illusion of control that we have, mm-hmm. and that makes mm-hmm. us feel better about ourselves, and accept the the, the horrible reality that we don't have control over the future so really the only thing that we can do is deal with the present and something that we can deal with is this idea of connection and disconnection so that's kind of what i want to talk about today let's just like go one-on-one right and and stop to really think about what is connection and disconnection in relationships right because we connection is an emotional and physical or intellectual closeness that fosters a sense of unity and intimacy among partners right so you can connect on so many levels and then you already mentioned that right like there's the emotional i feel close mm-hmm. to you there's a physical i want to touch you mm-hmm. i want to be touched by you and there's intellectual i understand you mm-hmm. even though i don't agree with you i understand you right and mm-hmm. and that we're able to occupy the same space and these three layers emotional physical or intellectual mm-hmm. and we are comfortable with it right so mm. as we do that, the intimacy, the closeness feels good, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. you can feel connection and those might not feel good. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but, and it feels good, right? And this connection is the opposite, right? It's a temporary periods where emotional or physical closeness is reduced, mm-hmm. often due to external commitments, personal space, conflicts, or whatever is going on with us, right? So it's mm-hmm. when we are not available to our partners, emotionally intellectually maybe even physically right that's what connection and disconnection is and connection and disconnection have profound effects on our lives our mental health Mm -hmm. our ability to find joy feel connected to the the group um how we feel about ourselves how we feel about the world right if we if we feel chronically disconnected from mm-hmm. ourselves from the world from our partners th- we know that this causes you know enormous issues with mental health and all that kind of stuff right so this is really important and this thing comes up a lot in non-monogamy when our partner starts to date somebody else there is an inevitable switching between connection and disconnection mm-hmm. right and the disconnection is what feels the is the worst Right. It's Mm -hmm. when we think we're dying. Right. So this is also intertwined with attachment theory. Right. Which essentially means that for a secure definition of a secure attachment is the ability to connect and disconnect with ease and flow. So Mm -hmm. you're able to connect. You can feel comfortable in the closeness. You enjoy the intimacy. You're available for it. It doesn't overwhelm you you can sit with it and enjoy it and you mm-hmm. can disconnect. And that disconnection does not cause you doubts like self doubt, um, concern, fear about your sense of self or sense of self- safety. That is, mm-hmm. that is basically what a secure attachment is. You're able to connect and disconnect. And we know that this ability to connect and disconnect with ease is essential to emotional resilience for long-term relationships and it is honestly i truly believe it is the key indicator if you're going to thrive in open relationships and frankly non-monogamous relationships as well certainly non-monogamous relationships because there are more opportunities for there to for insecurity to creep in for separation and disconnection Mm -hmm. to creep in but in monogamous relationships too, if, if you are feeling disconnected because your partner is spending more time with friends or more time at work mm-hmm. or more time on their own or just there's lots of jealousy that's happening, those kinds of things too, 
I certainly experienced when I was in my monogamous marriage. Mm -hmm. So then you can imagine how I felt. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. No, exactly. And I think you're you're right. It's absolutely essential for any relationships in general. And I think with non-monogamy, it is experienced inevitably so Mm -hmm. the muscle that allows us to the mental muscle that allows us to connect and disconnect needs to be well trained and well used and and kind of just used to doing that the the connection disconnection piece because the reasons that disconnection comes in non-monogamous relationships can hit harder right Mm -hmm. because even though you can feel disconnected because your partner is spending more time at work you can feel disconnected because your partner is spending more time with their family maybe their best their best friends the disconnection that comes from oh my partner is spending time with Mm -hmm. their lover Mm-hmm. just like hits in a much more of an existential place. It hits different. Yes, indeed. Right. It really mm-hmm. is an activating, it's, it's a real activating force, right? It is, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I feel disconnected. Uh, they're away, blah, blah, blah. That's one thing. But it's like, I feel disconnected because they're connecting with somebody else. You know, their lover in an intimate kind of way just mm-hmm. hits in in like, oh, the world's coming to an end. Like yeah. it's, an, it's activating, it triggers all sorts of, doubt and insecurity and yeah. a bunch of stories. Yeah. The the state of panic that I felt in those moments is nothing that I could describe. There's just, there really is this feeling frozen in pain and fear. It was this idea that I'm replaceable mm. and it was a combination of I'm not going to be the bright and shiny one anymore, right? And and this awareness, which is true, at least again, in my experience where we were married, so we're talking about laundry and dishes and mortgage payments and all those types of things. And you're going on now dates and you're learning all about each other and you're having those like long conversations till three in the morning and everything is new and everything is fun and there's no conversation about changing the oil in the car, right? And so there was this awareness of, you're going to have more fun there. Mm-hmm. There's going to be more new relationship energy. It's going to be more sexually interesting there. Mm-hmm. And you can look back on this and be like, Ugh, this is boring, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. This is not mm-hmm. engaging. This doesn't fill me up in the same way. And so there was that concern. Now, of course, my wife kept telling me, I love you. There's stability here. We have shared values. Like I want this and that. And and I introduced non-monogamy. So I understood the concept of this and that. That's like my my motto in life is and not or. But still, that fear inside of me was like, no, no, I'm going to be replaced by this other person. Mm-hmm. And then I had this notion in my mind of out of sight, out of mind in that if I'm not there, she's going to forget that I exist mm-hmm. and she's going to maybe betray some of our agreements mm-hmm. or she's going to commit to things that exist outside of me. So I can give you some really specific examples. So my wife and, and her former partner, one of the things that they used to do prompted by her former partner was to reimagine a past where they were together. Mm-hmm. So her former partner would be like, well, imagine we met 10 years ago, you know, before mm-hmm. we were each married and where would we have met and what would we have done and what kind of house would we have gotten together? And I was so incredibly disturbed by that. Because in my mind, she was erasing me. Mm. My wife was engaging in conversations where I did not exist. That's, mm. That is the literal worst fear that I had in my relationship. Sure. Yeah. And my wife is saying, listen, we, don't, we can't 
have the kind of relationship that we'd want to have because of all these different barriers. So let her have her imagination. Mm. Like, sure, I'm going to engage in these things. I would never, she said, I would never have chosen to go back in time and not have you. Mm -hmm. That's not a thing that's possible. It's not a thing that I want. But if it makes her feel better to imagine a time when Mm. we could have done this thing, then sure, I'm going to indulge her in that. And I really thought it was so incredibly disrespectful Mm. to envision a world where I wasn't there and I wasn't her partner. And that made me think that when they are together, she's not thinking about me. Now, of course she shouldn't be right now. Mm -hmm. Many years later, when I spend time with my partner, I'm not thinking about my wife all the time, Mm. but I would very intentionally, and this is terrible to admit, I would do everything in my power to insert myself at all times (laughs) so that she could not forget me. Mm -hmm. There would be random texts. They would be phone calls and just being like, oh, I just, you know what I meant to ask you? I forgot to ask you this before you left. I'm sorry. (laughs) I didn't mean to interrupt, but you know, I just wanted to write. There was checkings of locations. There was impromptu plant. Like there was so much I was doing to try to sabotage Mm. You know what it like clitorference. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so uh-huh. much that I was uh-huh. doing to try to interfere with their intimacy, interfere with their privacy, interfere with their closeness, because I wanted to set a constant reminder to both of them. I am here. Yeah. I matter. I will so. not be forgotten. I will not be replaced. And it exhausted so much energy of mine. Yeah. But this idea of connection and disconnection is a two-way road, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're feeling disconnected from your from your wife, and she's like, "I don't know what you're talking about. I feel fully connected to you," mm-hmm. you know. And I experience that now in my, you know, temporarily long distance relationship. We'll be on. I'll be on the phone with my partner, which I haven't seen now for weeks, and he's keep reminding me like, "This is the this is like the longest time we're going to be apart." Like, it, just because we had different commitments and visa issues and that kind of stuff. So we're, we're apart and we're having this like temporary long distance relationship and we'll arrive at a phone call where he'll, you know, tell me all these stories. And then for whatever reason, I'll be like, I am not available. I'm tired or whatever is happening. And he'll say, you feel really disconnected. Like I feel really connected to you and you feel really disconnected from me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be like, yeah, I actually do feel disconnected. So mm-hmm. he's arriving fully ready for closeness and fully ready to be intimate, to share, like be available. And I'm like, Mm-mm, nope, mm-hmm. I feel disconnected. Mm-hmm. And I project that, you know, and I project that into like, oh, you must be disconnected from me. And he's like, no, you must be connected to me because I feel connection. Right. Yeah. And I see this you know, in my clients and you're talking about it. Your wife is like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm connected to you. I'm right here. Like I'm, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but I don't feel connected. Mm-hmm. A- and I see that with my clients too. And I see like, you know, somebody coming back from um, a date actually kind of ready to reconnect and like share their experience and like jump back into the relationship. But the person on the other side are like not interested in connecting. So mm-hmm. I think it's also important to realize that it is, mm-hmm. it's a two way road and yeah. and then you can be just like missing each other like ships in the night. So let me start with the fact that my wife did a lovely thing at some point. She bought me, she got this quote and framed it and put it up and told me to put this up on the wall where I can see it all the time. And it's a Virginia Woolf quote that says, just in case you ever foolishly forget, I am never not thinking of you. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I like it. She's, she's pretty awesome. And so it, it, that that was very sweet and it, and it was helpful. Now, cut to years later when I am now in another relationship and I'm splitting my time between mm-hmm. the two spaces. 
me and my wife are having a conversation and she's saying to me, I feel disconnected. She's mm-hmm. saying to me, when you're over there, it's like you're gone. It's like, I don't hear from you. I don't see you. It's like out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. And says that essentially that when she reaches out to connect, it's very transactional that I like will mm. text her. Yes. No. Sure. Sounds great. I'm glad exclamation mm-hmm. point that it's not real mm-hmm. dialogue. So I, I named that in the spirit of both people having to make an effort. I remember mm. being on the other side of it. I remember being the person who felt disconnected. Mm-hmm. And when she would come back from a date and would feel re-energized or the next day and she did want to engage with me mm-hmm. and have conversation, I had an attitude. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm mad about what happened yesterday. I'm still mm-hmm. mad that you went out and in my mind weren't thinking about me and in my mind were conspiring around how to leave me and when and how you're going to clear the bank account. Like, right? Like in my mm-hmm. mind, this narrative has happened. And so now you want to connect with me. I don't want to. Now, of course, all I wanted desperately was to connect with her. In that moment, all I wanted mm-hmm. is desperately to connect with her. But I've built such a wall and I have told myself that my discomfort is her problem. Mm, of course. For her yeah. to fix. Yes. So I am uncomfortable with this disconnection. You're going to have to figure that thing out. So mm-hmm. I know that you want to connect with me right now. And I know I desperately want to connect with you, but we're going to put that off the table right now because <laughs> yeah. we need to deal with my discomfort first and then sure. we can deal with those other things. And so, you know, I had to then reckon with that mem- the memory of that when I was on the other side of it. And sure. she was saying to me, I'm feeling disconnected. I'm feeling like I don't have your time and your energy. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of times years later where I'll come up to her randomly and be like, yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> about all these things. And I think also it's weaponizing connection, right? Like withholding connection, withholding mm-hmm. intimacy, withholding yeah. closeness is definitely a weapon, you know? And I think yeah. if you think about it, when you weaponize anything most sane people when they weaponize things like that they're doing it because they feel scared and they feel they need to defend mm-hmm. themselves so they want to weaponize whatever is available to defend themselves right so that's kind of if you work it backwards mm-hmm. when we when we withhold connection and um, intimacy and closeness it's because we're scared of something which is what i'm hearing you say like scared mm-hmm. scared sad and angry are, are actually very close yes. emotions and sometimes it's hard to tell them apart like, mm-hmm. I know that when, when I'm sad, I'm angry. My partner's learned this now. And if I'm like being really angry, he'll actually say like, what are you sad about? Which mm-hmm. it just blows my mind, by the way. That's where he's at. Like, it's kind of mm-hmm. blowing my mind that he's got to a place where he could say that to me mm-hmm. and has the space of not being triggered by my anger. Cause I can get like, I can get angry and snappy mm-hmm. and kind of grumpy. And, and it is because mm-hmm. I'm sad. Like it is, I know this about myself, but in the moment, of course I don't, I'm just like, I'm angry like wow. fight response, you know, but ultimately I'm sad. Yeah. And I think scared can look like angry, mm-hmm. scared can look like sad. So we know those. So yeah. like it's, it's worth distinguishing between fear, sadness and anger, or at least yeah. understand the cocktail of it all, you know? And then from there you're like, okay, why is it coming up for me that way? And then what am I doing? What, how am I dealing with it? Oh, I'm dealing with it by weaponizing probably the, like the nuclear, nuclear of emotional mm-hmm. weapons, which is connection. Yeah. And I know from experience that, that when I was acting that way, I did not want to be acting that way. Sure. Like, sure. you know, I would, I would look at how she was looking at me and I felt the same way. Like, I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you, because I not only would withhold then my connection because I was 
angry about the fact that I felt like she was disconnecting from me, which wasn't mm-hmm. the case, of course, based on like she was doing all the things she could, but it was, it was the stuff inside of myself that felt so uncomfortable. But I would then have her prove herself to me. Mm. Like now that you're back, like prove, like, mm. don't be on, don't talk to her for three days where you, mm-hmm. we're going to hang out and you can't even look at your phone. Or like, I remember we went to see, we went to see a Broadway play together and we were having a great time, you know, watching the show during the intermission. I think she went to the bathroom and came back and was like wrapping up a text exchange or something. And I was furious. Mm. And I was like, you can't even go one evening without texting her. Like mm-hmm. we are having this great time. You can't even, and that's wild, right? Mm-hmm. We're having this whole, <laughs> she waited to the bathroom break. She did it out of sight. She was just finishing. Like there's no, that was an unreasonable mm-hmm. me being angry at that point, but that's authentically how I felt. And so then I'm like mad for the evening, mm-hmm. right? For the rest of the night. And then I'm like, she has to keep like coming back to me to smooth things over right? Mm -hmm. To continue to prove to me and show me that she loves me. And that's just a workout for a person who's afraid that uh, she's going to choose somebody else. I'm really giving her a lot. (laughs) I'm really (laughs) adding to (laughs) the reasons why she should, Uh because I'm being cranky. I'm being spoiled. Like I'm doing, and I, but I didn't want to be doing that. Like I, Mm -hmm. But I was in so much, I was so scared and mm. I felt so hurt and I was just like, so I felt so much emotion that I didn't, it only to your point translated either to anger and to control. That was the mm. only way I knew at the time how to release those emotions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is a fight response, right? So we, we fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Those words kind of make us think of these things in limited form mostly. And like, we don't really think that control is a fight response. It very much is, you know, and anger obviously is, but control is also a, a fight response. So that tells me that when you're afraid, your primary defense mechanism is a fight response, which for you shows up as mm-hmm. control and anger, you know, which I, which I totally understand. Like for me, it's flight, right? Like I'm a flighty person. I wanted, I am the one that wants to disconnect and I'm not disconnecting like, I'm disconnecting, but I really want you to connect with me. I'm like, don't, don't touch me. Don't go anywhere near me. Or I'm like, this, like not even, not even with anger. It's just like disappear. You know, I might be there in person, but I'm not there in spirit or, you know, mind or I'm literally disappeared. So that's kind of how I cope. And that is again, a disconnect. It's a different type of disconnection. You know, what's interesting is because so very much anger and control was my go-to. I'm still working on the control piece and the anger piece, frankly, but those have been reduced. But what has come up in its place is that is, is, is fleeing. Mm. So I want to flee much more now than I did in the past. Mm -hmm. And that meant literally because I can, I live in two different places that literally meant me leaving (laughs) and going to another place to be, Mm. um, which I then have learned not to do. But then Mm -hmm. it meant emotionally, then it was like going to the other room or emotionally leaving. And now Mm -hmm. in therapy, we're working on me staying there and actually feeling the feelings and being uncomfortable and Mm. surviving it. Can you believe that? Can you believe the audacity? (laughs) She's trying to have me sit in my my feelings and not what? leave. Get out of here. That's wild. <laughs> like, and so she, that's and she wants money on. for this and you pay her for this? I know. I know. How dare she <laughs> see those, those degrees on her wall and then fact check those. 
And I, by the way, it does happen. It does happen. Like the swing, like you fight from fight to yeah. flight does actually happen a lot for people. Mm. Once you think, and you think you're healed, like, look at me not being angry. Um, and I've just replaced <laughs> the anger with, <laughs> with like disconnection exactly. and if the disappearing. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, exactly. actually I've just changed one defense, one coping mechanism for another. So I've seen, and, and it's yeah. worth saying, right? So we know, but this is a reflection of our attachment styles, which we know aren't fixed, right? So perhaps mm-hmm. where initially you were showing up as having an anxious attachment style, you know, in this new iteration of where you are, it's kind of moved to more of an avoidant attachment style because like, mm-hmm. I mean, what I guess is might be happening is because you're like, you've become so aware that this thing that you're doing isn't good for you, isn't serving you, right. but you haven't quite figured out how not to do it. So you're doing something That's else right. instead. Right. And then That's you're right. going to swing back to a place where you don't have to regulate yourself and you understand a lot more, and, you know, what they call a window of tolerance, this wonderful place, mm-hmm. like puppy dogs. I and mean, rainbows. that's what they say. That's what they say is going to happen. So we'll, I go to therapy and I'm like, this thing happened. And I'm like, so I tried this. And she's like, or you could just sit in it. I'm like, no, no, no. What about this other thing? She's like, or you could just sit in it. I'm like, but maybe this other thing. It's like, ah. So I'm practicing yeah. sitting in it. In the spirit of that, though, I think the thing that helped move me from quite literally feeling held captive by and obsessed with my Mm. wife and her other relationship and the fear that was there. And actually I'll cut to, so I I had that experience with my wife. Uh, Unfortunately, our opening up process included emotional infidelity on on her part, which really tipped the scales for me to feel Mm. worried because Mm -hmm. there actually were lies. There actually were things that were happening. Mm -hmm. And so the narrative that I told myself at the time was, well, I'm acting this way because of what she did. Mm-hmm. Had she told me from the jump, had we done this the right way, I would not feel this way. Now let's mm-hmm. cut a few years into the future, Miss Bloom. <laughs> and now I'm with my partner and she does all the things. She's like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go back on the dating apps. I'm going to have some, start having conversation. Hey, I met someone. I'm going to go talk to them. Hey, I really like them. I'm going to meet up with them in person. Like telling me everything along the way. And I was distraught. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you, I lost 10 pounds. Mm. I had to go on Lexapro. Like, no, this is like legitimately fell apart at the idea of her dating somebody else. Mm. And you, I mean, you know, my wife and my partner, you know, the sense of loyalty that and my love that my partner shows for me mm-hmm. all the time. Like there's mm-hmm. not a doubt that she loves me, wants to be with me, all those other things. But I was so held captive by my fear mm-hmm. that it was all consuming. Mm-hmm. And in both cases, the only way for me to have gone out of those things is to stop paying attention essentially to them and start paying attention to me, mm-hmm. start paying attention to stop paying attention to what they were doing on Thursday night mm-hmm. and start paying attention to what the thing I wanted to do on Thursday mm-hmm. night. It took a while, but that was my only way out of that. Sure. That was my yeah. only way out of feeling so emotionally hijacked. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that all makes sense. And non-monogamy in any form, in any of the relationships within a non-monogamous structure, is a hot bed of reasons for us to be activated, especially around our insecure attachment system, right? So it mm-hmm. definitely exacerbates fears, right? So for the for the anxious, those who show up anxious, exactly the things that you're talking about, which is like fear of those, you know, fear of abandonment, fear of rejection, fear of being forgotten, fear of being replaced, like all those kind of things. And oh, there's a flip side to this too. 
people who are in avoidant attachment style, which is what you're saying, like I literally leave and go to my other relation, go to my other home, right? Mm -hmm. It provides mm -hmm. almost like a, a brilliant excuse and a story to why you can just avoid intimacy. Yeah. You know, intimacy, yeah. you see, like you get too close. Oh, I have to go and see mm -hmm. my other partner. Oh, I have to go and see my mm -hmm. wife. Like it gives you a, a built in out as well. So I think, you know, this idea of connection, disconnection and how it relates to attachment styles add non-monogamy is definitely like you know something that you need to think through you can't without understanding the whole system of this i don't think you can th truly thrive in an open relationship mm -hmm. so the thing that you actually kind of figured out for yourself which is amazing how the brain does which is like oh i had to just focus on myself right and i think this is like so so we talked about this idea of connection and disconnection and and what it is and how it shows up especially in non-monogamous relationships and how it affects us and it's, it's just so essential. It's at the core of all this. Like, how do we deal with this, right? And, and definitely one of the ways is around self-soothing, right? It is, it is figuring mm. out where your emotional state is, re realizing you're dysregulated, realizing that you're activated, and, and, not, and realize that whatever is happening is happening with, with inside of you. Even if your partner is being disconnected, like unavailable, not talking to you, ignoring you, the feelings that you associate with that, the fear that you associate with that, the doubt that you associate with that is all happening inside of you. And that is something mm -hmm. you can control, <laughs> Jacqueline Misla, mm -hmm. <laughs> for those who want to control. Uh, let's get it clear. I like controlling everyone else. Let's make sure that we're all <laughs> yeah. very clear. Controlling myself is not the thing that's on the table. Sure. Yeah, no. um, and it's kind of where you do truly have control, where you can yeah, self-regulate, yeah, you can self-soothe and find a place where you can look at this somewhat objectively and you can still mm -hmm. recognize the disconnection. You can still recognize the, the fear, but you're not hijacked by it in a way that, in a way that you're talking about it. The cure to all of this, right? The cure to the feelings that come up around this connection is definitely one self-soothing, right? Self-regulation and connection and, and, and being very intentional mm -hmm. about how are we feeling and how can we get to a connection place, right? So you're, to, you're saying, okay, you're going on a date on Saturday. Let's make sure that we connect on, on a Friday. Let's connect. We also on a, on a Sunday, right? And, and recognizing mm -hmm. that the things that, that show up in the surface. So that is anger. That's, you know, being grumpy, sabotaging, like all the, all the things that we do, recognizing that it is actually a bid for connection, regulating mm, ourselves. Yes. So, so realize, oh, okay, like I'm doing these shitty things or even the silence. So the silent treatment that you're talking about as well, like I'm just going to yeah. pretend I don't want to connect with you. So all those behaviors are a bit for connection, right? And yeah. the more that we can recognize, oh, I feel disconnected. I'm doing all these things, which are a bit for connection. Instead, can we mm -hmm. skip to the part where we find ways to connect, right? And it is really yes. intentionally thinking through that. And what does it take for us to connect? What does it feel like when mm -hmm. we disconnect? How do we cope with that disconnection? How do we then reconnect and sort of go back to where we were? And it is a muscle that we need to really work with. It is, you're absolutely right. Like you said at the beginning of, of this chat, that it is essential for any relationships, but it is without it, non-monogamy really is a hard slog. That muscle, like mm -hmm. if there is a mental muscle, there's an emotional gym that you go and work mm -hmm. on work on things. This muscle of connection and disconnection is super important. Also, it's worth saying that 
temporary disconnection within a relationship isn't all that bad, right? I think that's the other no, piece, right? Not at all. Tolerating this connection. And then like the next step from that is reveling in it, right? Because I think there are definitely yeah. benefits to temporary disconnection. It provides opportunities for self-reflection and growth and self-audit, mm. right? Because mm. I think when we're connected all the time, especially in a long-term relationship, we can inevitably get enmeshed and it, the, the boundaries mm. can get mm. blurry. Like where I end when my and my partner begins can yes. start to enmesh and we know that down the road of that that has a whole bunch of issues and struggles that, that comes up from that so i think you know to say this connection is all bad and we just need to tolerate it i think there is a version of the story where you can actually revel in this connection and see it as an opportunity also i think it allows us to sort of a reassessment of needs desires equipments across multiple relationships like just mm -hmm. a place where you you know look through everything without being clouded by the connections mm -hmm. because connections are, are also like like we said it's a two-way road right so when we are connected yes it's like feels warm and fuzzy but it's also a two-way road of like all the emotions going back and forth right so you're focused on yeah. the other person's needs and your your needs and sometimes you lose sight of your needs and you know desires and then like they could just be like so much traffic in that two-way road that you don't get the opportunity to reassess some of these things. And I think temporary disconnection can allow you that space. Mm -hmm. Also, I think it can really be an opportunity to reset for a more meaningful connection because I think yeah. connection over time can become habitual and it's not real connection. Yeah. It is a, an echo of a connection. It's like a connection that's left and I think it frays mm -hmm. and it erodes and mm -hmm. it just becomes more of a mental cache like a habit mm -hmm. but it's not actually live it's not like a live it's not feeding us anymore it's kind of this like frayed thread right and a temporary yeah. disconnection can allow us to kind of refresh if you will or clear cash and like reconnect again and mm -hmm. and then renew that connection and suddenly see the person fresh as well like through the new connection you can see the person refreshed as well and you kind of clear the cash in your head of what they what they're like mm -hmm. and you can restart and re you know rediscover the other person so mm -hmm. all this is to say disconnection is something that we need to manage but it is not all that mm -hmm. bad you can definitely get to a place where you see that there's an opportunity yeah absolutely i mean connection is safe but separation is sexy right mm -hmm. like you, you've ever been at a, at a party or something with with a, a partner or someone you're dating and like you see them across the room and they're talking sure. to someone and the mm -hmm. people are like laughing and stuff and you look over and you're like "Ooh, look at you like mm -hmm. being your own person mm -hmm. being funny and like people mm -hmm. like like there's something about seeing your person like out in the world sure. that makes you more attracted to them mm -hmm. and so th that is true if if I, all i see you is in my living room you know, mm -hmm. in your boxers, doing the dishes, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, sexy, sure. Safe, more safe. I'm going to go. Sure. But separation. Yeah. Sexy. I, and I agree with you. I think there's an opportunity for some newness because in the separation time, I'm doing something else, learning something else, and I can come back and report back. Like we both mm -hmm. have something to report back to when mm -hmm. we're back. I think for me, it has allowed, and I think for, for my wife and partner as well, allowed opportunities for us to explore different versions of ourselves mm -hmm. that exist outside of that partnership. Sure. So 
you know, I am multifaceted and there are mm-hmm. different parts of me that emerge based on who I'm with or if I'm by myself mm-hmm. and being able to tap into that, into those energies can mm-hmm. only happen in separation, which then mm-hmm. I feel more me, which then I feel bigger and sexier, which means I come back and I'm ready to connect mm-hmm. in a different way. So that has happened. And I think the other two things that came up as you were saying that is you introduced to my wife and I at the time when we were in the struggle, um, new relationship energy redistribution. Mm-hmm. And that was something that like in our separateness, when she was planning dates and excursions and gifts for her partner, what you suggested was, well, why don't you take some of that planning, some of that energy, mm-hmm. some of that and bring it into your relationship with, with Jackie, bring it into your marriage. And so when she would plan, you know, this fun, amazing rooftop date, she'd be like, man, I haven't been out with Jackie on a rooftop for a long mm-hmm. time. Like we should mm-hmm. do something like that. And it wasn't about matching the experiences or anything like that, but it was about tapping into the energy that comes with the separateness and drawing Mm -hmm. some of that into your current relationship. So I found that to be incredibly helpful. Yeah. And then the last thing that I'll note that that was like a, a tip, you know, that my wife did that I thought was amazing at the time is she would kind of schedule little surprises knowing that I was in the struggle when she was away. So one time she had like chocolate covered roses delivered Mm -hmm. to the house, Mm -hmm. like during Mm -hmm. the middle of her date, you know, out, she like sent me something and it had a note saying, I'm always thinking about you. Mm -hmm. Um, She sent flowers once. And then when I was in my other relationship, I would leave little notes around the house. So before I left to come back home with my wife, I would leave little post-its hidden in different places Mm -hmm. saying, I love you and little messages. So there was like a little scavenger hunt. So that was like kind of next tier level of Mm -hmm. we're going to, I'm going to figure out creatively how to connect when we are separate Mm -hmm. so that we can appreciate our separate time and still feel close. Sure. Exactly. And that is like your ninja level, right? That is, that is, that is exactly what we're talking about today. It's like staying connected doesn't necessarily mean you're sharing space and time all the time, but it is a two-way road. It's a state of mind. And you can definitely feed Mm -hmm. that connection through things like you're saying and any other way that makes sense to you, right? So for listeners, my invitation is to like, think about what does it take for you Mm -hmm. to stay connected? You know, mm-hmm. is it sending each other playlists? Is it mm-hmm. making, that. you know, a big deal of reconnection? And I, I think that really the invitation here is to realize that at the core of a lot of the struggles in non-monogamy and monogamy is this idea of connection and disconnection. And our pain that comes from disconnection and, you know, us not recognizing that disconnection can be an opportunity and the continuous bid for connection and when it's not available, the pain that comes from that, right? So that, that that is at the core. When I work with people, this idea, this dynamic comes wrapped in so many different stories, so many different shapes and sizes. I hear it told in in so many different ways and we strip it away, we strip away, we dig, dig, dig. We're like, let's understand the dynamic, let's understand dynamic. And it always boils down to this idea of connection and disconnection. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I have come up with, and this this works best for those who are preparing to open up a relationship, like if you can catch yourself and your relationship at this stage, when you're talking about opening up and you're like, how can we do this? Well, right. And those are when I love meeting clients when they're like, well, we've been talking about opening up and we thought we'll just get some advice, understand the lay of the land and understand best practices and make sure that we do this in a way that, that we can all 
you know, really benefit from this. I'm like, thank Good you. For you people. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Thank you for, yeah, we're doing that. Good for you. Let's talk about this. You mean one of you is already in the midst of an affair and now you're trying to open up the relationship <laughs> and manage that? You mean that's not what's happening? Oh, wow. <laughs> right. That's yes, exactly. Right. Or one of you is exploding. Like they've been wanting this for so long and they haven't yes. said anything. And now they're just like, just yes. need to get the, just need to get the other person exactly. through the finish line and be and open. fear meets resentment and in front of you and asking to be fixed yes right yes or somebody has someone in their sight like they met someone and suddenly mm-hmm. they're like you know overtaken and they just the relationship transition like yesterday you know yes. and, and all of those things happen and we find a way through but i think like ideally is when people are like hey like this open relationship business is kind of interesting let's just like put it on the table and think about it so the the exercise that i'm about to tell you works really best if that's where you're at. And it also works if you're already in a relationship and you, in whatever version, whatever your story is. But it is essentially about training your nervous system to connection and disconnection and doing it in ways that it feels safe to connect and disconnect and connect and disconnect so that your nervous system doesn't fear it or isn't hungry for it. Right. So that's the Mm -hmm. idea. And you do that. So what I suggest to people is, okay, you're going to set up some date situations, right? And you're really aiming for three types of dates. One connection date, you're straight up, let's do something to connect, right? And you do that by deciding, okay, we're going to connect. How do we want to feel in this connection? How do we best connect? Like, what are the things that we like that gets us connection? And let's be really intentional about this and let's set up a date, the two of us, and we'll connect, right? Those are your connection dates. Your next one is what I call together alone time. And that is time Mm -hmm. that you spend in the same space but separate, intentionally disconnected, right? I should rephrase, it's not to say like pushing the other person away, but it is really connecting with yourself while sharing space with your partner, right? This could look like mm-hmm. we're at home, you know, one of us is reading and the other person is doing yoga, right? What it mm-hmm. isn't is I'm going to wash the dishes and you're going to like be on your phone, right? Because that's not that, that's just like, that's like unintentional time. But you're, you're, you're very specifically setting up time and activity to do something intentional where you're connecting with yourself. And as you do that, mm-hmm. you're actually letting go of the connection with the other person. And you do that mm-hmm. in, in a safe space, right? So the disconnection doesn't feel so scary. And you're also kind of training your mind not to just bid for the connection, Right, not to sort of continue mm-hmm. to f- make bids for connection so you feel safe. You find safety within your own connection within that space, within that safe space. Another thing to do is, which is something that I do with my partner, is we'll go out dancing and then we'll just dance separately. Like we'll, we'll actually go out dancing, whether mm-hmm. we take a class together or we're actually going like dance to a club. And we'll go there together with the intention of kind of being very free and flowy on the dance floor without any promises to dance together to actually kind of like go off in our own ways, mm-hmm. maybe connect to other people, dance with other people to then at the end of the night, whatever we say, like when the lights go up or at this time, we'll meet at the door mm-hmm. and be available for connection. And during that time, wow. even if we see each other in the same room, there isn't an expectation for connection and there isn't a bid for connection. We've agreed to be there, but yeah. separately. That feels so sexy, by the way, like, <laughs> as, as you're saying that. 
I'm like, that's brilliant. I love that idea so much. It's, it's just so good for the nervous system. It's so good for and and, and it's yeah. also like in spaces like that, you see the other person connect with other people, and it's it, yeah, yeah exactly. and it's okay. Like it's because we've set the intention for that, and you kind of have a beginning, yeah. the duration of the date, and then at the end we we connect, and that creates a nervous system they go look nothing happened nobody died you're not left the other person isn't like going mm-hmm. off with somebody else right and i've had a really good time mm. because i've spent the two three hours of, of whatever we're doing connected to myself connected to my body choosing connections with other people mm. that is meaningful in a short period of time and i've like disconnected from them too right so it's working that mm-hmm. muscle and that's your together alone time and the third time is this idea of separate time, right? So you do separate things from one another. You go on date, you take yourself out on a date, right? So you're spending like, mm-hmm. you know, for the you know Saturday afternoon, I'm going to do this thing. I'm taking up a hobby. I'm going to be a, at a book club, whatever it is that you're doing. The other person is going to do something for themselves. And that is like very intentional me time out in the world, separate, very, very separate so no, f- no, certainly not dating somebody else, but no friends hanging out with friends. Is this, you, you want to plan things that you are on your own? Yes. Or you could be with friends as well. You can be with friends as well, but intentional okay. time. And, and what you're doing, what you're doing there is feeling good and well and safe alone, right? On your own mm-hmm. through other connections, right? Yes, it could be with friends. It could be a hobby. It could be going to a museum and discovering, a, you know, whatever is new, but you're, you're setting up time to really like enjoy your own company and discover yourself or discover whatever you're, you're discovering like very intentional time. Like I am going to spend time yeah. on my own. So these three types of times spent will help your nervous system to, to understand the, the connection and disconnection piece in a safe way. And I would say do those before you start dating anybody else. Like give yourself mm-hmm. a couple of months of weekly doing those things that will prepare your nervous system for a new relationship. It will also open up space because the other thing that happens with non-monogamy is, especially if you're in an existing relationship, you're in a routine. Like you go to work, you come home, mm-hmm. you eat, you do, do. So you're in a routine. And suddenly when you introduce somebody into the relationship, that routine is disturbed and that in itself causes a bunch of issues, right? You have to carve out mm-hmm. time that is going to take away from something, right? And often you're taking it away mm-hmm. from another partner because, you know, we have work commitments. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. So the next big chunk of time that you have available to you is the chunk of time that you spend within your relationship. And you have another relationship where you're going to carve that time out from, from the relationship, your core relationship, mm-hmm. right? But if you have these three types of, dates times installed into the relationship you have inevitably carved out time the time that you spend with yourself initially can then be time that you allocate to a new person a new date so you've already Mm -hmm. carved out time without it feeling scary and now if you start dating in that time it doesn't ruin your routine it doesn't feel like the other person's been you know something is taken Mm -hmm. away from the other person I love that. And I, it doesn't mean, I imagine, that it won't still feel scary and hurt and all those things. Yes. It will just not feel as bad, number one. Yes. And to your point, I think it'll 
we talk about this in non-monogamy, like time is really something that you have to really think mm. about all the time. Yes. How much how much time you're spending with somebody else, with yourself, mm-hmm. with your partners, whatever that looks like. But creating that spaciousness and that discipline and that routine, like you just said, to mm. have that time already set doesn't feel like a disruption. That makes so much sense. Yes. That makes so much sense. And the person who's using that time to potentially go on dates and the and the person who is not going on a date at that time has come in has mm-hmm. gone into the habit of spending time with themselves. Yes. They've reconnected yes. with maybe old friends. They've taken up a hobby. Mm-hmm. They've found something they want to interested in, they want to discover. So they've also got into a discipline of, oh, what do I do when my partner's on a date? Oh, like I'll carry on with my hobby. I'll, you know, have a, mm-hmm. a drink with my friend that I hadn't seen for you know, for five years and now I've reconnected because I've been disciplined about the stuff, you know? So I think Mm -hmm. it just creates good discipline and good practices and spaciousness for when you start exploring other relationships. Yeah. Those are great tips. Those are great tips. I wish I would have known this before, Effie. (laughs) No, you did tell me all this before. We should... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we should know that. And then you that just was actually our relationship coach when my wife and I were going through our open relationship struggles. And Effie was telling me all these things, but I only listened to half of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and this is too bad, but for, you know, really, truly, if you were, if you were in the beginnings of this, you don't know until you know. I, mm. I felt, again, like I said, such tremendous pain. And then when I was on the other side of it, I was like, oh, this is mm. what it feels like to be on the date and your partner keeps texting you. Like, <laughs> oh, totally. I don't yeah. like this at all. I'm sorry yeah. that I did that to you. But I love it. I love it. I love the advice and I love it more from a place of trying to continue to be connected with and prioritize ourselves. And that's what I hear mm. is your message overall is connection with someone else is important and and vital to us as human beings and the most important relationship is the one with ourselves so let's carve Mm -hmm. out time to spend that time with ourselves and do it intentionally love it absolutely if you love this conversation and you want to continue this dialogue and share some of your stories and questions then you should jump onto our facebook group and start a conversation go into facebook look for our group under we are curious foxes If you want to read more about this, then you should go onto our website at wearecuriousfoxes.com. On our website, you're going to find a bunch of things. You're going to find episodes, blog posts, resources related to all sorts of topics under the umbrella of love, sex, and relationships, including the blog posts that I mentioned about various date night ideas and a blog post with three tips to help you combat loneliness while your partner is out. Some of the things that we talked about today, you're going to see captured there. If you want to hear some of our bloopers, our bonus cuts, some mini episodes, sometimes when Effie and Jackie after hours, if you will, then you got to go to Patreon at, of course, We Are Curious Foxes. If you go there, you're going to be able to tap into all the things that happen behind the scenes and you're going to be able to find over 50 workshops that we have done over the years, online workshops, really fantastic topics. Go to Patreon, go take a look. If you enjoyed this and you think someone needs to hear it, maybe your partner who you're trying to open up with, maybe you send it to them. Maybe you send it to a friend. We would love for you to go onto whatever app you're listening to, Apple, Spotify, Audible, whatever it is. And first, make sure that you're subscribed or follow to us. Second, rate us and leave a review. We read every single one. And then third, please share this out with other folks so that other people can start to listen along and be curious. And finally, if there is a story or question that you want to share, and maybe you're not ready to share that on Facebook group yet, then you can send it to us directly by sending us an email or a voice message to listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. 
This episode is produced by Effie Blue and Jacqueline Misler, with help from Yamur Arkishi. Our editor is Nina Pollock, who we feel deeply connected to. Our intro music is composed by Dev Saha. We are so grateful for their work, and we're grateful to you for listening. As always, stay curious, friends. Curious Fox Podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind, and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. 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 Stay curious.